This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Are you ever sitting with a couple that just looks really interesting and you want to know the real juice, like what's going on really behind the scenes in that marriage? They look so happy and so content and so smart and wise. Well, today we have a wise couple on, Rabbi Ruvain and Gitti Epstein. Unbelievable. Their knowledge about marriage and the amount of people they teach about marriage. We are so fortunate to have them on. I'm fortunate. I'm so excited. And we're going to go very deep, very fast and ask them a lot of questions that you always wanted to answer. I always wanted to ask, but would feel uncomfortable, you know, posing these questions directly. So stay tuned. This is Leah Richheimer for the Ladies Talk Show. We're going to have a great time. Welcome, Rabbi and Rebinson. Thank you so much for being on. Tell us the name of your, your thing is marriagepro.co, right? It's like unbelievable. A lot of stuff to get there. A lot of, so we, but we're, this is a little bit, we're going to get personal here a little bit, not too personal, but you know, whatever we want to go right. So I'm going to start with question number one. First of all, welcome. Thank you Thank very you. much. <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> and then I'm like not letting you get a word in edgewise. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the first question that we want to start with is um, is a little bit deep, which is when you, you know, everyone's, you get married, you're all happy, whatever. And then you have that very first conflict. And how did you even know how to solve conflicts? Like when you were first married, did you see your parents had, were able to solve conflicts? Did you invent it as you went along? Did you, you, you know, learn it from somebody else? How did you learn to deal with conflicts? Or maybe you haven't yet and we've got a big problem. (laughs) (laughs) So if I may say, I always say there's two types of people in the world. There's people who talk to me about their marriage and people who talk to me about my marriage. So I see that today is that side of things, you know, <laughs> hey, how's the Epstein's marriage doing? <laughs> so the, the, the truth is, is that I came from a very yeshiva background, um, which didn't have a lot of, let's call it education when it came to marriage. And my wife also came from a Bisyakov kind of background as well. We have Baruch Hashem, thank God, wonderful, amazing parents as role models. But being that my the way I do most things in life is very systemic. And like, I like to like really lay it out and have everything very, very clear. That was actually how we got into the idea of marriage education in the first place. Cause I felt that there really must be a system of marriage that could be studied and should be studied. And therefore literally from the day we got married, I was like hitting the ground running. Okay. This is great. This is wonderful. It's amazing. And everybody on paper wants to be happy. Like a lot of very 30,000 foot ideas. How do we take all these ideas and make them practical? Like, what's the actual step that I have to do tomorrow? And it started not with conflict, which I think a lot of people go into education based on conflict or they went through therapy, so they want to become a therapist. For me, it was more just understanding that everything in life is a system. Our bodies are a system. Businesses are a system. The economy economy is a system. Everything is a system. So why is marriage not a system? And therefore, we just set out together to study marriage for five years and we're married coming up on 15 years. So we're still studying it. But at a certain point, there was a transition where we felt that we had enough information to like develop the system fully and be able to give it over to other people. So I don't, I don't remember the first argument. (laughs) Maybe you remember it. I don't remember. (laughs) You remember it? I don't remember an argument. Okay. So um, the way that I look at it is that for couples that say that they never argue on things, that's just, very unrealistic expectation. There are different types of ways to argue about things. And I think that in the beginning, it took time to kind of learn how to argue in a way where you get your point back and forth together, where you 
the other person hears what you're saying. The other, and it's a skill. It's a skill that everybody has to learn. Everybody hears things in a different way. Men and women are completely different in their relationships. Um, yeah, that's, there's, there's for sure going to be conflict and there's going to be relationship. Um, it's not, you're going to butt heads in a certain, if you're in a relationship, you're going to butt heads, but it's all the way that you work it through. You talk it through, you have that communication and marriage and the systems that my husband teaches. And we teach with, with Hassan and Kala's is that we try to give some tools to be able to avoid like what a conflict sounds like a blow up or like a disaster. And not necessarily when there's an argument, does it have to be like that? Doesn't necessarily have to be like that. Tariq, give me a scenario. I want to see how they would solve it. Like something, um, (laughs) a scenario, a scenario where they would have conflict. Yeah. Um, (laughs) like, Oh, come on, Alana. I see you thinking one, What? We just had a whole show with different scenarios of that, that create conflict. Oh, should I grab one of the scenarios? Oh, well, the one that we didn't cover. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Very smart. Okay. Let Bye. me just say, let me just say is that whatever you're going to be giving us, any conflicts or anything that the resolution that we're going to be doing is not going to be an in live type <laughs> of way that we're going to actually resolve any argument that we're going to have with each other. Um, but I just, I want to point that out because a lot of people take a couple, let's say that, does marriage or does chasen classes and they think it's been perfect always or it's always there's perfection and i think that people struggle with that expectations of other other spouse being perfect mm-hmm. or the you know like the wife has to be perfect in this this sense or even perfection from yourself you you really want that and there's no marriage that's per- perfect or hit perfection you're always trying to get there you're always trying to get there um, and you have to work on it. You have to work on it. When I meet girls, let's say on Shabbatones, they say, wow, look at you guys. And I say, there's something to look at for sure. We, we are in a very good place because it's constant work. It's things that we work on and it's a place where we got that like every single day was a, a, a beautiful journey in our relationship. I want to, I want to point that out because people think like, you're like the pedestal of what it is. And we, we do have a fantastic relationship, Baruch Hashem, but it comes from the work. It comes from the work. It doesn't just mean that you just throw in and you just go sailing. There's always what to work on. So let's say, for instance, you, your husband, um, uh, uh, never cleans the table and he always makes an excuse and says, Oh, I'm busy now or I've got this phone call to make or whatever. Maybe that's his dumbest example. I'm trying to give you something simple. <laughs> like, how would you, how would you go about solving such a thing? So wait, could I jump in for a second? Yeah. Okay. So I, so let me lay out some principles. Okay. Cause as you know, I'm, I'm an accountant, right? So my brain is like more like accountants, like ABCD. Yeah, exactly. So, so let me lay out a few things. Okay. Number one is just because a couple has a disagreement does not mean that you have to have an argument. That's a very big idea. So just because you disagree on something doesn't mean that you have to have an argument. Many people call us and they say, um, you know, many of our couples or many people call us from the street or from the internet or whatever. And they say, we have a question. And I can tell the difference usually within a matter of like 30 seconds, if they together have a question or if he has a question versus her, meaning it's his side of the story. And my wife, she says whatever she says versus, you know, we were discussing this and we were thinking that like we could send our, our, our child to this type of school, which gives this type of education. And my wife was saying that maybe we should, you know, consider going to that type of school because that has a different type of education. We were wondering if you could give us your perspective as a neutral party, but we're, we're amicable. We love each other. We care for each other. 
we're not fighting. We're just having a conversation. And that is very different than somebody saying, my husband's crazy. He doesn't listen to a word that I say. I've been trying to stress to him that we need to send to this school because this is the education that our children need. And he's like, I don't know where she's coming from. This lady's totally nuts. When the second couple calls, there's usually, and I think this is to get to the first point, you're not on the same page. Marriage is about, we always say marriage is Kesha. Kesha means a connection. Connection means we are one. And it's very cliche to say that there's no I in team, and, but it's, it's true. When you look at it, that when you get married, you have a second opinion and you have somebody who's really smart that you believe in them. And all your life goals are shared and your values are shared and your children and your businesses and your emotions. So that is step number one. Well, that's totally crystal clear. But how do you get there? Like I hear, like, you know, you said there's two types of couples, one where he's like this and I'm like that. And, you know, they're fighting over it. And then the other kind is where we have a problem. How do that transition from point A to point B? Can you explain to us how to get there? Yeah. So feel, again, feel free to jump in at any point here. But it, 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 when a couple starts out, they're very new. It doesn't matter if they're dating for years. Marriage is the ultimate dedication. Like we are doing life together. We're not just having a good night together, a good week together. We're, we're doing life together. And when that realization sets in, I always tell most couples, you're now at ground zero. You're now at zero. You get a couple of brownie points just for liking each other. But in terms of cash of a real connection, it's very low. And one of the most, I would say the most intimate things that a husband or a wife can do for each other is to be able to have deep, meaningful conversation about things that you may not see eye to eye in a respectful way, in a way that you accept the other person's opinion as valid and saying, wow, that makes so much sense. I totally hear where you're coming from. So it's built on real respect, which takes time to develop, real trust, which takes time to develop, and then being able to say, you know what, I'm going to have flexibility in my own mind when the other person is saying something that I don't necessarily agree to. And if all of those steps don't work, then to say, you know what, I hear what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. How about if we call our mentor, our rabbi, our Mrs. Rishimer, let's, let's call our person to be able to hear what they have to say, because we have two opinions over here and two options. It's one person with two options, not two people with two options. And that's a very big difference. Say that again. Alana, write that down. (laughs) Wait, say it again. It's one, say it again. It's one unit with two options. It's not two people with two options. Right. Uh, Right? Okay. And that's all 100% true. Um, And it, it does take work to get there. And the reason why it takes work to get there is because this is like a very logical response to things. Sometimes emotions come in Very good. and like, even though you're like, let's systematically <laughs> go through this. Meanwhile, your feelings are hurt because the other person didn't remember you or, you know, there's a lot of emotions that play into the relationship as well. So I think if when to try to get to this is to try to, in a way, focus and look inwards and see Am I getting very emotional about this? Am I expanding or blowing up this issue because my feelings were hurt or because I, you know, I felt slighted or anything like that? And a lot of times people will call me with an issue and I'll say, really, the issue is so small, but you were very hurt and hurt kind of clouds a lot of the, you know, we could sit down and do systems and systems will work. But you first have to, your feelings have to be kept in check. You have to, you have to kind of have that realization. So if you feel in your mind, your mind is like, 
feeding you more and more and you're remembering things from 2080 I don't know like 2006 and you're like remembering all of these stuff and it's coming back you have to realize that that is your mind trying to feed into the emotion to make it worse than it actually is so emotions are going to be there you're 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 born with emotions emotions are the most amazing thing that's what puts the love and the passion in the relationship that's what it's there but it also could kind of take off on a jet on the other you never clean off the table when yeah he does clean off the table you're just like you're upset about this one time or you felt like you asked him and he didn't listen so you feel like your your feelings were hurt and I think that a lot not most not not I wouldn't say all but most arguments are like that where like there's so much emotion that's clouding what's really the issue very good fantastic okay back to rabbi you were making a, a series of things i want to yeah so no so she was actually picking up on on what i was going to say which is that marriage the, 101 <laughs> no which is which is which is that what oftentimes happens is that all of those things may not have been developed but usually and i i like to point this out when couples come to talk to me there's about a 30 second window where you can either go right or go left. And what usually happens is that we go left, which is the very emotional, very attacking, very you know demeaning, putting the other person down um, method of trying to get the thing that you want. And I always say that whenever a couple is complaining, they're fetching, they're yelling, all they're really saying is, I want to be closer to you. I love That's it. really all they're saying. That, that is one of the most, if you just think about that sometimes, it, it, it changes everything. I had somebody, my husband had said this recently on a class and someone called me up crying hysterically about this. And she said that she said to her husband, she said, every time I was upset, it was just me saying, I want you closer. I want you closer. I have so much, I have so much clarity on my feelings now. This is such an, a beautiful way to look at a disagreement. Because like I said in the beginning, couples that don't have disagreements are usually not living together because you're going to have different agreements, different differences, opinions on things, major things like where we're sending our kids to school or little things like who's doing carpool, you know, like these type of things that come up. So, um, yeah. So wait, so to get, to pick this up. So when it comes to conflict resolution, most of it really needs to be mitigated way before the fact. But if a husband's not helping his wife clear off the table, right? So then the way that she would do it is, in my opinion, she would give him a lot of compliments and build him up and not make him feel like he's under attack. Because men are very emotional. As much yeah. as women think, nah, this... People think, I teach girls, they say, oh, nothing could bother my husband. I said, no. men are very, very sensitive. Yeah. They are very sensitive. Men are very sensitive. And when a woman complains, most men translate that into, I am a failure. So that's all they hear. So if a wife says, you know what? You're doing an amazing job. And thank you so much for helping with the kids. And I appreciate that you went shopping today. Would you mind helping me just clearing off the table? I would really appreciate it. It would be so well-received nine out of 10 times. But instead, what's usually conveyed is the emotional you, attack. Right. You never help me and I'm falling apart and you don't see what's going on. And what is she really saying? She's saying is I feel the lack of Kesher connection. And this is a beacon that I'm sending out because I want to be closer to you. I want you to get closer to me and recognize my needs. That's all she's saying. Is this gorgeous or what? Okay, we have a question coming in. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so somebody is asking on Facebook that do they find um, today marriage is very different than it was, meaning they're obviously married a few years, but today married couples, times have really changed. Dating has changed. 
Um, people are relating to each other differently. She said, for example, when WhatsApp went down, um, so many people didn't know how to communicate with each other because that's their main way of communicating. Wow. So do they find that today they have to teach couples differently because so many couples are communicating differently? What an awesome question. question. What an awesome question. Someone sent me a joke. I get all the marriage jokes and the accounting jokes. <laughs> so someone sent me a joke. He said when WhatsApp was down, he discovered that there's this strange woman living in his house. She claims that she's his wife, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's a sad reality that a lot of people, their communication is based on the internet and social media. And I actually had a few couples, a few times where people came to talk to me and they said, I could show you all of our discussions. I said, how could you show it to me? And the guy said, or the woman said, because that is the only way we communicate. We literally will sit across the table and say, hey, could you pass the salt? I was like, that is craziness. Like you're not even having a real heart to heart talk or, or really talking to each other. But I think that that's mostly, I'm going to, I'm going to say that's severe, meaning that's not healthy in any sense of the, in any sense of the matter. To most couples, I think that there are, there are ancient principles, but the idea of let's say respect and things that the Rambam and the Gemara, the Talmud, things that they speak about for thousands of years, we are so privileged to have that information. So psychology is very, you know, a lot of it is new and it's groundbreaking and they come up with a lot of things. And I think that people are very in tune to their emotions, maybe more than they, than they were in previous generations. But at the same time, that, that gives us amazing opportunities today to connect to people on such deep levels that maybe other generations didn't have. Um, I have a whole philosophy, which I won't get into now as to how things did change in like the last hundred years. I think they used to be a little bit, I'll give you the short version. I think they used to be more altruistic. And as long as we're, you know, we're Jewish or whatever on the same page, you know, in a certain way, our marriage will be okay. And today people want more. I want to go to Florida with you or LA, or I want to go to Hawaii with you. I want to feel like you're my best friend. And they're very sensitive when people say things that are off, but that's beautiful. Like my wife said, that's emotions. Emotions create connection. So don't run away from that. Like embrace that. Yes, you're an emotional person. I can channel all of those emotions towards me. That's amazing. Why would somebody be like, oh, I'm throwing up my hands? No. So let me ask you another question because here I get this a lot. I get a lot of questions about that are really come down to misunderstandings. I, a woman feels misunderstood by her husband. She doesn't feel like he gets me. It doesn't feel like, like he, he even is trying to get me. He's like, he's living his life in like a bull, bull in a china shop and he's just going, 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 going. And th- there's a whole lack of, of uh, empathy or um, getting in the other person's shoes as, as a wise couple in terms of you understanding each other, um, how did you overcome those hurdles? Because you're a man and she's a woman and they, you know, to understand how the other person thinks. So I'd lo- if you could address for people what it is to get over the hurdle of, of the desire to be understood. So can I say one thing and then I'm going to leave this to you because I, I see that you have a lot to say. I can feel, feel it over here. Let me, just, let me just share two very short ideas. Number one is, it says in the Torah, it says, it's not good for man to be alone. And there's a commentary that says that what that means is that it's not good for a person to be completely egocentric. Man was created alone and Hashem, he looked at man and he said, it's not good for you. You should understand. I'm giving you a message. We're born egocentric and it's not good to be egocentric. You have to step out of yourself to connect to a being that is more emotional than you. And that is, and this is the second idea, that is the primary responsibility of a husband. 
is to understand his wife, is to take the time to understand her emotions, to realize that she sees the world differently than you. And most of the time when he doesn't do that, she says, I don't get this. I'm not being understood. But, but hold on. You're telling that to the women who are now going to say to their husband, it says okay, so I'll, I'll say something. Okay, so, I'll say something yeah, yeah. Uh, to be mashlam this, to, to make this whole yeah. is that a lot of times a man does want to connect. Men do want to, as much as not so much of their tether, like we said, men are sensitive. But sometimes when he does make himself in that vulnerable place, it's met with not a good temperature in the house. A lot, I'm not blaming the woman on this, but a lot of times if a, a husband does reach out and give something where she, she, to try to understand his wife a little bit and it's not received well, he's going to shut down. And I feel like women don't understand their power of just the temperature in the home, being open, being sweet, smiling, right? Just being smiling, being smiling. Is that mm-hmm. even a thing? But just no, being happy. Happy. But that's in the really too hard basket when the, the pot's boiling over and someone's ringing a bell and right. somebody else, and there's a, three emails and the principal called and, you know, whatever. Exactly. So then she, then this question is not for her at that time. Meaning she's going to be like, my husband's not to tell my, my emotions. There's just too much going on. But when you do have that time and things are not flying and crazy and the general temperature of the house is all the time, you try to work on yourself to that place where you, he comes home and he has that kind of calmness from you. And if you need extra help to get there, get it, get it, get your extra cleaning help, Mm -hmm. do something to make your life a little bit easier so that you can make that atmosphere a little bit easier so that when he gives you something, you're willing to accept. The more you accept, the more he's going to give. The more you connect, the more you connect and not throw things back at him or the more that you he gives you something and you don't ignore it, but you actually connect to the little things, you'll get there. You will get there. And also, there. just to say, for people who can't afford extra help or whatever, right. the, sometimes you can barter. You can tell, you know, you can babysit. Anything them. you could do. Anything <laughs> you could but do. I'm I think saying, it was Rabbit and Bronstein who said. Oh, let me just finish all of a second. You can babysit for somebody else's kid. They babysit for yours. Now you save that money to buy extra help. I'm sorry. Rabbit, Rabbit, okay. Rabbit. I think Rabbit and Bronstein used to say if she would do anything different, she would hire more help. And if that means, you know, I, I think that it's important for everyone's sanity. I mean, yes, you do whatever you can in order you, that you can get that, even if it's chesed girls to help you. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, even if you're going to fill yourself up to here, who doesn't explode when they get up to here? Okay, Everybody. They, have a question. they have a question coming in. So go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Are you on a speaker? You're muted. We can't hear you. <laughs> Not, I keep unmuting, unmuting, and exactly. for some reason it wasn't working. Okay. okay. Um, so somebody on Facebook is saying um, they're giving a scenario and hoping that the rabbi and Revitin can explain their personal scenario. A young wife expects her husband to be home at a certain time every night. She becomes upset if he walks through the door and doesn't apologize for being late. She feels disrespect, disrespected. He doesn't get it. This plays out throughout the relationship where she does not feel he respects her. And he doesn't understand why she's getting so emotional about something that to him is so silly. Okay. So can I, can I jump in on this? There's a, there's an idea that, that um, building on what my wife was saying before, which I think is an important tool. Uh, let's, let's go back a step. Okay. People feel an emotion, right? She feels this woman just said, I feel like he doesn't get me misunderstanding me he's he's belittling right what i'm feeling and all of those emotional all those emotions i don't believe that today or anytime 
a, a lack of communication is a really the issue in marriage. I know that's a big statement, but I don't believe that it's a lack of communication. I think that what's going on in most marriages, see, lack of communication to me means I leave the house. I don't tell you where I'm going. I didn't communicate anything. What is usually going on is that you are communicating in your own voice in your head the way that you think that you're getting across your point of expressing your emotion, but you're doing it, a person may be doing it in a very poor way. So I'll explain to you what I mean. Take this, take this woman, for example, right? She has an emotional need. So probably most at most times she feels emotional. She gets upset. She's her, the second her husband comes in the door, she says, where were you? I don't understand what's going on over here. Rather, rather than becoming non-emotional, which is difficult, admittedly, impossible, Impossible, but but, it's not impossible. But if this is the 30 seconds and this is the 30 seconds that I was referring to before, this is the 30 seconds where you could either go right or you could go left. And rather than saying, where were you? Uh, Of course, I didn't make supper or supper's been sitting on the table for two hours. And I don't understand what's going on over here. In which case her husband will feel under attack, underappreciated. He's probably not out partying. He's probably out working or learning, which is a value or doing something, which is really for both of them in his mind, right? So he's like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on, but they don't have a lack of communication. If she would turn to him and she would say, you know what I would really appreciate from you? You're doing an amazing job. How hard you're working. You're going to school. She would like list off all the things that she does appreciate from him and say, if you're going to be running late, it would mean the world to me if you could give me a heads up, because then I know I have two hours more to prepare supper. Or, you know what, my batteries are a little bit low. I would really appreciate if we could go for a short walk. If she would take those 30 seconds, it's not more than that. And instead of turning left and turning it into a major argument, turn right and actually communicate what she's feeling in a way that he'll get it. He'll understand it. Like you have a phone. Your phone battery is dying. We spoke about this on the last segment, right? Your phone battery is dying. And she just says, my batteries are just running low, but I love you. I want you to, let's do this. Let's go for a walk. Let's go for ice cream. That 30 seconds is all the difference. Marriages are not built on like years and years of work. It's built on 30 seconds over the course of years and years. Wow, wow, wow. The eloquence, the eloquence <laughs> that I will never get to. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous. Okay, so let's go to the next question. And um, uh, okay, she's flagging me for another question, but I want to go with this one. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about expectations because I think that, uh, you know, unfortunately we're seeing a lot of divorces from younger people on very soon after marriage. It's, it's really a crisis proportions. Um, across the board. And uh, so I, 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 a lot of it has to do with expectations. And if, if you could talk about two things, one is what your advice would be to people in that situation and how to tone their expectations down, which is so impossible because they might've spent 20 years of their life expecting a certain type of a marriage. And then it looks very different. So that's the first thing. And secondly, if you have anything personal from your own uh, marriage that you could share with us, that uh, overcoming your own expectations of, of who you thought your uh, husband or wife should be and how it ended up. So th- th- those kind of two Nakudas. Uh, the, 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 okay. Let me, let me just say you something. Take the first. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so something about expectations is that a lot of times when people have expectations, they really set themselves up for disaster because they have an expectation. Sometimes their spouse doesn't even know that that's their expectation and things come up and, and they're like, I expected you to come home on time. And there was none of that communication to begin with. And I think that that's a big, that, that expectation issue is like a big issue 
with couples because it, it could be expectations on anything, on the little things, on the big things. And like, you're always going to be slated if you don't necessarily communicate that to yourself, what you're actually expecting. And a lot of times the things that you're expecting and you'll even communicate is not even like a, a, a normal expectation. You think you're to be uh, this, or you think your wife should be like this and it's not. And I was having this conversation with a few women and we were talking about the concept of accepting your husband for who he is. And your husband is going to have many quirks and funny things about him that he's going to do. Is it that he loves photography? Is it that he loves to, you know, he's into animals? Is it some, not that these are funny. I'm just giving you some examples of what the women were giving in this, this um, conversation. And I said, you can either fight it. You could either fight it all your life. This is a weird thing. My expectation was that my husband was going to do this and this, and you're doing this and this. So you could, that's one route to take is fight it all your life. Or there's another two. One is that you can actually accept it and say, this is who my husband is. And I respect him for who he is because of these quirks and funny nuances about himself. Or even a higher level is to actually embrace that. And if there's something about him that's like a little bit on not what your expectation was about him, you thought he was going to be a plumber and he ended up being a doctor. Okay. You embrace that about him. Okay. You embrace that. You, you fill him up. You respect him. You compliment him. You make him like feel like he's the best in what he can bring to the table. So we were, you know, different people were different, giving different examples about accepting and embracing and things that were hard for them, how now they turned it around. Like there was someone who gave an example of their husband who's obsessed with politics. And that really bothered her that all day he's on the phone, he's on the phone with his politics. And she said, I could either fight it all the time. I hate it that you're on your phone. You're always in politics. I think politics are stupid. Or you could accept that this is who he is and embrace it, join Twitter with him, answer his tweets on his political views on things, buy him things that have to do with political stuff, discuss it with him. If this is a point where you feel like this is what is where he's being guided to in life, join him, join him. So there's a lot of examples of this, but a lot of times don't have expectations. I feel like expectations really set people up for disaster like, you know, look at your husband like he's the best thing that ever happened to you. And and he will be. If you look at him like that, he will be the best thing that ever happened to you. Can I, can I just share a very funny story? Yeah, on just on this one point. Um, if you remember, we were once on a on a weekend on a Shabbaton, and I sent this, um, Mr. Rishimer, I sent this to you in, in, in one of the documents that I sent to you, but this is like the funniest story. I don't know if you read this, but I'll share it because it's very funny. We were on a Shabbaton. There's like 1,800 people in a, in a ballroom. And they're trying to get everybody quiet to give like a short, like five-minute speech. And it's impossible. There's 1,800 people. Babies are crying and screaming. And from the middle of the room, this, not a grown man, like an overgrown man, okay? He climbs onto the middle of the dining room table where his family's eating. And he hollers at the top of his lungs, quiet everyone quiet right and everyone was like frozen because there's like this humongous man standing on a table hollering and I was like holding on to my chair like oh my gosh I'm in I'm embarrassed I'm embarrassed for his wife and like I nudged my wife I was like 
I can't imagine what this guy's wife is feeling right now. Her husband is standing on the table. And like, I look forward to see this wife. She's sitting in her chair and she's looking up and she's giving him two thumbs up. She's like, great job. And I was like, that is such a great marriage. Like, you understand? She knows who she's married to. She gets him. She understands him. I've got goosebumps from that story. Wow. How many women would would be, I was like, she's for sure going to crawl on the floor out of the dining room. That's what most people would feel. But she understands this is her husband. This is his personality. And how many times is it not that extreme, but it's like, fixing his dandruff and straightening his tie and correcting how he talks. Don't say this and be careful how you present yourself with this. A lot of controlling, a lot of controlling. As opposed to realizing that at the end of the day, you're two people who are becoming part of a new unit. And this is your other half that you finally found, right? That's what the Gemara says. Like you found your other half. And yeah, it's not going to be identical to you. It's going to be very different. But all those differences oftentimes can be played to become such a major advantage for you as a couple. So it's celebrating who they are rather than not, you know, being annoyed yes. by how they, who, who yes. they are. The other yes. thing embracing is embracing that about them. Embracing that. It's also, the other thing is a lot of people get mad at their character trait that their husband has in certain circumstances. Like he's very, come on, let's go, you know, and this, whatever. And with the children and how he's short and short and short and short. But meanwhile, he's a stockbroker and that short, 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 short makes the money. You know what I mean? So it's right. kind of like, you have to you know, pick your battles, like be, be um, uh, appreciative of who he is. Okay. We have another question, but. but so, so, so get you picked something that um, the example that you've given was actually something that, um, it's interesting you picked that one, but I have a question on that because you had said if let's say your husband's into politics and he's, you know, sending things on Twitter or whatever it is. And so just join him, right? Meaning don't fight against it. See, that's what he loves. And so if he's passionate about it, join in. But what if you don't feel that what he's doing is is valuable to your type of lifestyle on home? Like if I, I'm talking, let's say, from my own experience, if I'm not a social media Twitter person and I think it's a complete waste of time and my husband should be doing something, you know, yeah. for the family or learning or whatever it is, right? That's, ex- that's so an expectation. I just want to point so, that out. You have an expectation. By the way, 100%, but it's a Torah-based expectation. So okay. where's the differentiation? Even, even, even Torah-based expectations, there are people that have expectations that their husbands are going to be sitting and learning all the time. And I had, I actually had this with a couple, okay? This couple, she had expectations that her husband was going to be the next Gadadar sitting and becoming the next Rosh Hashiva. That was his goal also when they got married. And he sat there and he learned and he learned and he learned. And as he's learning, he's slowly but surely burning out, burning out, burning out. And his wife is pumping him. No, you could do this. You could do this. This is the lifestyle that I want to have. And at the end, he sat her down. And he said, I can't do this anymore. I feel like I'm, I'm wasting my time. This, this isn't for me. So yeah, this is a big value to learn Torah, but he was completely burning out. And he ended up going to work. And I told her, this was exactly the same type of advice. I said, you could either have the house that you dreamed of having, of having a Rosh Hashiva, but he's going to be miserable. And you'll have that house or... Your husband will be kovea itim. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna very much encourage him to go out for an hour or two at night for sure. But you're actually gonna have a home. You're gonna have a marriage. You're gonna have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you're, you have such an agenda. We, we have such agendas to push, to push, to push. 
And sometimes our lives are not exactly how we pictured it when we were 18 years old. Now we're older, in upper 20s, upper 30s, upper 40s, upper 50s. As we get older, things change. You're not the same as you were back then. He's not the same as he was back then. And it doesn't necessarily mean that your value for Torah changes, but your value for him increases because he's living his life the way that he should be living it. So expectations, like I said, you have an expectation. My husband should be doing this instead of this. Even what are you going to do? You're going to cram it down his neck every single time. Why are you on your phone? Shut off your phone, shut off your phone. Or, and I'm not saying it's an ideal situation. Nobody wants to have their husband on their phone, but you know, schmoozing it out when it's not a hot temperature time is a great time to talk about it and say, listen, I know you like politics. I, I don't get it. Okay, I really don't get it. But could you just give me at least 15 minutes of uninterrupted time with the kids when you come home? And then you can do whatever you want. But just like, and it's not when he's on the phone, you never spend any time with me. And you know, it's in this heated environment. It's when you're taking a walk with your husband. And you say, you know, I, I love that you're into this. Like you have a passion for this, even if you don't necessarily. But like, I, I see it. I don't necessarily get it. But I'm happy that you're into something like this. But the family like could use you. Let's, you know, five, 10 minutes when you come home, maybe a little bit longer. I don't want to have an expectation that my husband should be spending time with the kids the entire night and putting them to sleep. But just show me that for a little bit, you're putting away your phone. And if he doesn't do it every single time, don't blow up either. Have that walk again in another few days and just reiterate the things that you want. I, I find almost anytime you're in an emotional state, and you're yelling or someone else is yelling, you're, it's not going to think about your own kids, right? Think about your own kids. Do you take them out for, this is, this is, this is true. I take them out on dates, you know, regularly take my son out for ice cream. We're schmoozing. They're calm. I'm calm. We're talking. And I say, you know, I'd really love if you got to sleep a little bit earlier, you know, like you, you go to, you read so late, Instead of coming in when he's still reading, what? You're still up at 11.45 at night? This is crazy. You're not going to get anywhere. He's always going to remember that his mother was upset, right? And I feel like it's very similar with the relationship also. You're going to remember when you're, you're always on your phone. You're never talking to me. No, nothing's going to go in. You're upset anyways. Stay upset. I'm going to keep on my phone, right? But if you take when the temperature is lower and you're having a good time and not that when you're going to talk about it, the temperature is going to explode. It's coming from a positive, healthy, sweet, warm place. You'll see things change. Okay. Yeah. Kai, I want to just add two things. That was very, very eloquent. Very nice. I want to, I want to add two things here, which I think are, are, are very important. And I think very direct to this point, maybe we could turn this into a little slogan. The Torah has an expectation of your marriage to be strong. People very oftentimes use the Torah. My expectation of marriage is that you'll learn Torah. Yeah, well, the Torah expects you to have a good marriage. How often are people using the Torah as an excuse to create a rift within their marriage, right? The Torah expects you to have a great marriage. Very often, what is marriage? Let's, Let's slow down. What is marriage? Marriage is, I think we spoke about this last time, marriage is a journey. It's two people going on a walk together from one block to the next block to the next block. That means that as you take a step, I take a step. That means our whole journey is being run side by side next to each other, connected to each other, consulting with each other. But that means that if I think I'm taking a step in the right direction, because I'm going in the right direction, but you're not ready to take a step. If I take that step, then I'm taking a step away from you. I just created a rift in my marriage. 
There are people who use the Torah as a basis for having a weaker connection, therefore a weaker marriage. Sure. Connection means I'm walking with you. If this is where you're holding, if you could only learn a half hour a day, then of course my value is more and I will encourage it and I will promote it and I will see how I could carve out more time for it. But it's very dangerous to use stepping in a right direction when you're stepping away from your spouse. Very dangerous. One more thing I wanted to say, which I think is very important for women to understand. This is a ladies talk show. So I'll just throw this out there. Something that I learned from my wife, very, very smart piece of advice. Men run on respect. That's one of the principles, the principal emotions of men respect when they feel disrespected, when you have the way you talk to them or when you say like, oh, I have an issue. And then you say, I spoke to my friend about it, or I spoke to your father about it. Men feel very slighted. And that usually is a trigger for them. But there's another emotion, which women are not aware of often enough, which is the feeling in Hebrew, the word is sipok, to feel accomplished. Men, when they accomplish something, we have two thumbs and we go, who's got two thumbs? And is the man, me, I feel great. Men accomplish, accomplishment translates into success. Not so much for women. Women, it's the recognition. It's the validation. We also need CPOC. You also need the CPOC. You also need the accomplishment. But it's, 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 it's a lot. It's, it's a yin and a yang. Different, but it, yes. So therefore, this is what I'm driving at. Why, why is it that many men prefer to stay in the office longer than staying home? Why do many men prefer I get that so all busy. the time. All the, that's a common question. Like several times a month, my husband doesn't come home enough. He's right. like, Why? How does it make sense, right? Work is terrible. Who wants to work? As much as you have a great job and making money, but most men don't want to be at work. They want to be home. But the reason why they're not home is because they get more satisfaction from their job than they get from their house. When they're at home, they feel criticized. They feel put down. The wives are like, ah, you're not doing a good job. And what I find that many women do is they're very passive about it. But what they communicate is that you're doing a bad job. They're very sweet. And they go, I just want to tell you that you're just not doing a good job. And they communicate to their husband that you are a failure. And it would be like sitting down with your 10-year-old child and say, son, I love you. Just you're a failure. You're terrible. I'm very disappointed in you. You're going to crush your child. It's not any different when you do that with your husband. So if a husband is constantly playing games where he feels accomplishment by beating levels or making phantom money or whatever it is, or he's into politics or any of these things where he's getting a satisfaction, ask yourself, why can't I give him more satisfaction from being in his own house? That doesn't make any sense. How do you do that? Gorgeous. How do you do it? How do you do it? I I do want to say, I just want to just clarify one thing is that being home is a completely different type of sepuk or fulfillment than you're going to get in your office. Yeah. So everybody has different levels of, of, of sepuk that they, they need to fulfill. So for women, let's say who are more natural caregivers and loves their children, it, it they're going to get a lot of sepuk from their children. Not everyone, but uh, most mothers are like that. Fathers are not necessarily like that. Yes, of course, they love spending time with their kids, but they're not going to get as much seabook from them like a mother will. That's for sure. But like I keep saying, if the temperature in the house is a place where the father or the husband feels like he's the king of the house and you say to your kids, 
go ask daddy that question or, you know, daddy's home. Go, let, let's, let's talk about something that, and include him or build him up or whatever. He's going to feel good. His kids need him. His wife needs him, but not in like an aggressive way where he feels like he's being like ripped apart. But like, it's a place where he feels like he's in his place. I'll, I'll give you just like a, a very small example. I had a, a Kala who said that she got a, a round dining room table. And her husband was not happy about it. He, he didn't like it. And he, she was trying to understand why. And I said, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't like the style. But it could be that when he's home, he wants to sit at the head. Like, he wants to be that figure in the house. And if children and and wives and spouses make him feel like that, he's going to like to be there. It doesn't mean that it's going to be checking off Seabook like it does for when he, he, he works or when he builds things. Those are going to be answering a different type of fulfillment than, you know, than being at home. So yeah, it's it, make sure the temp, my, my point is make sure the temperature in the house is a pleasant atmosphere for your husband to be home and not that he's opening the door and feeling like, who am I meeting? Right? <laughs> who am I meeting? Someone who, you know, someone who cares about me, someone who looks. So how up. do you do that? It's a great question. How does a, yeah. how does a woman herself look? She's dealing with so much, so much is on her right. head. And I feel like we're just giving her one more to do list to make sure the temperature right. is good. It's like, oh, really? Right. Like Leia. It's cold. So I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you something that, um, I have a very busy life. Bar Hashem. I just had twins four months ago. We just moved to Tom's River. Okay. Wow. We did a major move. We, I just started working again. And yes, I have good help. And that's why I'm very, I always push good help because without good help, it, it's hard. When my help leaves, we're waiting for her when she comes back. We know it is hard, but throughout the entire time of this whirlwind of being pregnant with twins, which is so difficult and with the moving and with the giving birth of twins and, and, and all of that, the temperature was positive. And it wasn't just because I woke up one morning and said, you know, like, let me be positive. It was constant work of making sure that, like, I feel like my husband says, sometimes you have that like 30 seconds where you could go one way or another of constantly trying to at least pick the other way where you feel like you're not going to explode, even though the temperature is is high all around. And there's a lot that's going on. Everybody has a lot of things that are happening. But in general, when you slowly patrol, even when things are not so crazy, you work on it, you work on it, even crazy things like moving your entire house into a temporary house. We moved while I was expecting twins and we moved into a temporary house. We were able to do it because we were on the same page. We were literally on the same page and a good tool, like you asked a good tip. And this is not something that I even do like on purpose anymore. It's something that is so part of my, my everything is I very much um, consult with my husband in, in almost everything. I talk through everything with him. Even if I, he's going to think it's silly, I still want to hear his opinion because I value his opinion more than anything in the world. So we're very into walks. We take walks either if it's in the morning or at night. That's like our time when we really spend time, you know, together. And I brought, I run by everything, everything with him. And I want to hear his opinion. It's not that I'm just doing it because my college teacher told me I should run things by him. I'm doing it because I literally respect him. I not just, I'm not just saying the words like, I've always looked at him with those type of eyes. And I feel like if girls would just switch that, because a lot of times they just, I respect you. You could say someone, I respect you. But if you change your whole inside into looking at him in a way where you're like, how did I get you? I am just the luckiest person in the world. You're going to see things change. You are going to be the luckiest person in the world. The way that your husband is going to start treating you is going to be differently because of the way you look at him. So, yeah. 
Wait, can I add one thing here? Okay, very good. I'm so happy bro, you pushed to bring my wife on. I, I just want to say something. This is not, this isn't my thing. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I'm a very good supportive wife and I love teaching college one-on-one and giving refresher courses, but to do this is very much outside my comfort zone. And my husband pushes me to do things like this. And I, I'm not as natural as he is. He's fantastic. Like I, every time I hear him, I'm, I'm blown away, even though I hear these, these concepts and, that that's great. That, that's, it's good to get pushed out of your comfort zone every once in a while, even if you're not perfect. <laughs> so I, I want to share like this: is that um, you know you're asking about, let's say, our our marriage. Just I want to share one story, an episode, which I I started using this idea to many couples. So we work together, and I'm you know I'm a partner in my firm, so I'm the boss to a degree over you know many of the people in the company. One day we were working together, and by the way. It's not for everybody to work together. Many husbands and wives cannot work together, but the way we have it structured, it's really, really nice and it's beautiful and it works. So one day it was like, I think it was during tax season many years ago, my wife comes upstairs and she's like, so can I talk to you for a second? I was like, it's so crazy. Yeah. Okay. What do you got? It's like 30 seconds. So she's like, I think that the temperature in the office is getting like too high. I was like, so call, call the guy to fix the thermostat. Like, what do you want from me? She's like, no, I mean you. I was like, what do you mean me? She's like, there's a lot going on here in the office. It's tax season. It's so crazy, but you're the boss. And as the boss, you set the tone of the office. I was like, whoa. Okay. Okay. So I, I think my husband said the story the last time when I was listening on the other side. I think you said the story. Yeah. Part one. Could be, I don't know. I think you did. But, okay. I, but I do want to say, I want to, and behind the door, I wanted to add something. Okay. And I'm so happy you're saying yeah. this. So I can add it. And then I'll finish. This okay. Sentence, yes. Is that it, it's very nice. The way that I said it was in a nice way and there's what to learn about and, and all of that. But it also takes a receiver to be able to receive. So just like you work on yourself with accepting your husband and embracing your husband, your husband also has to work on himself to a certain degree. Not that we can change him and anything, but I'm just pointing out that sometimes people's um, way about of how to say something to their husband is going to be different specific to them versus the way that it works for me. It happens to be that my husband also works on himself to be able to, he, he told me, he said, I'm going to try to, anytime you tell me something, I'm going to try to really internalize it and work on that. What Mida is that? I mean, that is one of the most beautiful Midas in the world, even for... And uh, and unique and unusual. Very (laughs) unique and unusual. So I want to say that it's something that we both, we we worked on these Midas. It's not like I I wanted to say it was something that we both worked on. And the fact that he was able to hear and say, whoa, you know, this is, this is, you're, you're really telling me something. That's an, that's an incredible Midas. And not just the way that I said it and all of that, but also the fact that he was able to to take it and and actually do something about it. Right. So, but I what I what I took out of that is that, and I tell this to many husbands and many wives also, is that at the end of the day, you are the boss of your house, and therefore the tone at the top—that's what they talk about in business school, right? The tone at the top is going to be you. You're the wife. You're the mother. You're the one who's running the house. So you have the ability to decide, you know, do I want everything to be all crazy? And it's, it's like, it's a bit so my house is so crazy. So therefore I'm excused. Right. The first thing on your list when you get up in the morning should be, this is my house. Therefore I decided what the temperature in the house is. I'm in control of my emotions, not anybody else. We always say, if you ask anybody, why did you get upset? They'll always start with someone else's name, right? Why do you get upset? What's the last time you got upset? Because my husband, because my daughter. No. So they're all in control of your emotions. You say, I got upset and I started saying this out loud. 
because I allowed myself to get upset. That's why, because you are in control of your own emotions. And when you realize that and you take responsibility, for that, <laughs> this is, this is circling back to, to that. This is not easy work, you know, working on yourself, but, but when you do it over and over and over again, you train your brain to, this is how I react in these situations. Could I, can I share a story, a quick story? Yeah. yeah it was yeah. a, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. If you have a question, then jump in. But I, this, I think the story is so, so important. There was a girl, a person who reached out to me and they were having a certain issue and they couldn't get in touch with their therapist and they couldn't get in touch. Like their mother wasn't being supportive and they called their friends and no, it wasn't working. Nobody was able to be there for this person. And they, they said, I'm, I'm sitting in my car. I'm crying. My life is falling apart. Like, I don't know what to do. So I got on the phone with them and I said, I'm going to tell you the most amazing thing. You have two feet. And if you put on a pair of sneakers right now and you start running your body will start to create endorphins. You'll start to feel good. It's like taking drugs. Hashem created us with amazing abilities to self-soothe, to get ourselves to a point where you're able to calm yourself down. And I said to her, forget your therapist. She said, my therapist is not answering. I said, yeah, because he's probably in a session or it's probably after hours. And my mother's not supportive. You're not going to change her right now. And my sister, forget all those people. Start with I take responsibility for my own emotions. You have feet, start running. She emailed me an hour later. She said, I just got back from an hour run. I never ran an hour in my life. I'm, I'm schwitzy. I'm sweating away. I feel like a million bucks because besides for the, the endorphins and besides for everything, I realized that I am in control. Not everybody else. I'm not using the rest of the people in my life as a crutch for my emotions. That is a very powerful statement from a person who was like, I'm at the end. I don't even know where to turn. You don't have to turn to anybody. You turn to yourself. Wow. That is, wow. You should see their reaction. They're like, wow, wow. That's <laughs> awesome. Okay. We have time for only for two more questions. I'm going to let you do one and then I'm going to take mine because mine might be a little bit longer. Yeah. So no, so, so that just people want to know like, what would be one sort of gem one thing they would say if you have to start working on something in your marriage practically what would a woman take on something so small but smiling <laughs> music <laughs> music a little bit of joy in the house makes such a big difference you know, I, literally, I, I'll give you such a good, such a good thing. I know my husband spoke in the first part about the first point of contact. So in the, in the summer, I gave a refresher course and um, it went late. Like it started at nine and I would come home like at 1130. And when I would come home and I would see my husband sitting on the couch waiting for me, it was one of the most incredible things in the world to see. I, and I realized that it's usually on the other side. It's usually like the husband is coming home and the wife is there to greet him. And in this case, because it was late and my husband was home because the kids were there, um, I come in and he was sitting there and he was waiting for me. And he, how'd it go? Tell me how it went. And I was like so excited to give over how it went and things that came up and, and things like that. And I said to him after, I said, I'm now in the other position where I see what a different difference it makes to see that first point of contact. It was like such an amazing thing, such an amazing thing. So that first point of contact, imagine your husband's coming home and you open the door and you say, I was waiting to see you all day. Just not to little, drop a bomb on him. Right, not the, you're late. And I was waiting for you to come home and the kids are screaming. And yet maybe that's all true. And I had that. 
I have twins right now. Okay. <laughs> Besides for my other three delicious kids, it, it is busy. But if that first point of contact is positive, it can change everything. I don't know if that oh, was my original temperature. <laughs> That's good. temperature. The temperature. That's temperature. Rabbi, did you have something to say before I go to the No, meeting? no. I was going to say, I don't know how she does it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the, the last question is, what advice would you give to your newly married self? Like if you, from where you're sitting now, 15 years in, and you're a newlywed, what, what advice would each of you give to your newly wedded self? <laughs> so I, I think I'll say like this. Um, hmm. Hmm. It's I, a good question. I, it's a good question. It's a very good question. I, I, I always like to say, I don't live life looking in the rearview mirror. Um, I like looking out the front you know, the front windshield. So I'm not one of these people who looks back on life and has any regrets. I always say like, whatever happened, happened for a good reason. And therefore I move forward. Um, there, there was, I will tell you, I'll share with you that there was one decision in my life that I made. Um, I think I was 15 years old, which it served me very, very well. When, when I was in ninth and 10th grade in high school. So I wasn't, I, I want to say I wasn't doing all that great. I wasn't, wasn't doing all that great. I was, you know, I wasn't doing anything wrong. But I was very passively going through the high school system, you know, like flunking a lot of tests and just sitting there, just letting a lot of the information just go over my head. And the beginning of 11th grade, the first day, day number one, I decided, I said, A, I'm going to take responsibility. So I'm not going to start blaming my classmates or my teachers or the school system or anybody else. It's going to be me. I'm going to take responsibility for how much I study this year, how much I learn, who I learn with, the hours that I put in. It's all going to be me. I'm taking responsibility for my grades, for, for everything. That decision, along with another decision, and that second decision was, was that any person who says anything, which can potentially help me in my life, I'm going to take it to heart. And I told this to my wife, which is, which is when, when I developed this idea. And I said, if there's somebody who has information that could help me, then that person, I'm just going to keep squeezing until I get as much juice out of them that I can use in my life. And therefore, when we got married, I came in with this, you know, years of building this up throughout the rest of my yeshiva years, which were. Wait, 11th grade, first day, what was the impetus that had you make such a monumental decision? I, it's a funny thing, but the, 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 the school that I went to had actually two buildings and 11th grade was the first year you were in like the new building, like, you know, like the, the older boys building. And I was walking down the street and I remember thinking to myself, like, I'm almost graduating into this new building, but I don't feel like I'm really going anywhere. Like I feel very stagnant, like nothing's really full of growth. So why am I not growing? And it was like this five minute walk where I was walking and I was thinking to myself, Oh, it's this person's fault and that person's fault. And I was like, no, it's my fault. Let me take responsibility for this. And all the people who are going to share anything, this is going to be the time I'm going to listen to whatever they have to say. I may not like them. I may not like their, their message. I may not like how they said it. I may not like their story. But if there's something that I can glean out of there that will be helpful for me, so then I'm going to try to implement it. And then when it came to marriage, the, the answer is that the way I started off our marriage when I shared this with my wife was that, we're just going to keep learning and growing and implementing and understanding. That's, that was how he proposed. That was literally how I proposed. I was like, this is, this is how I envision this happening. And that's why, you know, that, so I don't have any like regrets. Like, oh, I would have told myself this or that. I would have said, if I would put into words, I would say that 
there's so much education today. There's so much knowledge out there. There's so many good people that you can tap into. So just make the beginning of your marriage just the beginning of a very long and successful journey. And don't get caught up by like the things that get you off of that journey. Just get right back on track. Continue learning and take these tools and implement them. Because in reality, all the things that you'll read in a book or you're you're here anywhere else are really long-term goals. Respect takes a long time. Trust takes a long time. And you can't just hear it and say, yeah, yeah, I got this. No, you have to start implementing it today. So when you say, I'm going to hear it, and then I'm going to take responsibility to implement it, then you'll probably be successful in almost anything that you're going to set your mind to. Fantastic. How can people get in touch with you? Did you have something you want to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to say one thing is that I'm 100% on the same page with my husband in terms of that. Um, we, I, I like to generally look at Nisyonos as opportunities, um, tests as opportunities. And me and my husband did not, we didn't have kids right away. We had kids after we were married about four and a half, almost five years. And in a way that opportunity kind of like blasted off our relationship. We had so much time together and we really got to develop. And when my husband was studying all about marriage, he would come home and we would discuss these ideas to death. We would really, really discuss it even from the beginning. But, um, and one of the things that we did have, which I give over for people that want to have, not necessarily for my younger self, because this is something that we had, but for other people that had that, who are, need this, this like boost or advice for if they're just starting off is to have a good mentor and have a good rabbi. If that's someone who we had, we had a fantastic rabbi and there were many disappointments that we had when we had just gotten married in terms of, you know, not having kids and things like that. And we always had that rabbi who would go to and he would give us a great mindset on these opportunities that we were having and we would walk back and our relationship would flourish from that. So having good perspective, good mentor, good college teacher, good something in your life is so, so vital and so important. Fantastic. Okay. How can people get in touch with you, Rabbi? It's- so our, our website is marriagepro.co and email at marriagepro.co. Um, anybody wants to reach out. I try not to go to sleep with unanswered emails. It's You're tough, so- but uh, <laughs> I know wow. it's rough. But wow. if people... And there are many. Yeah. And there are many emails. Yeah. If people, um, if people feel that there's something that we could offer, I'm happy to... Uh, yeah. This was just priceless, precious, very, very grateful to you. I feel like, it, you know, it's been someone who started watching the show and where they are now, they're different people. You really gave us a lot of food for thought and a lot of, a lot of strength. I'm very, very grateful to you. Rebbitson, you're delightful and delicious and uh, really happy having you guys on. Thank you so much for being this. Thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you, you so much. This is Leah Richheimer for the Ladies Talk Show. And we'll see you guys next time. Here's the thing, ladies. If you don't subscribe, you may miss out and you're going to miss some great content. So you need to either like us or follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, on Torah Anytime, on YouTube, or go right to our website, www.ladiestalkshow.com and fill in a subscription button. And then you'll get every week an update on exactly what's happening. And if you do that, oh, by the way, if you subscribe on our website, you also get 10 tips to have a great relationship. Don't miss it. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks a lot. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.